Welcome to Reactive. My name is Khalil and I'm here with Raquel. Hi everyone. And Henning. Hello everybody. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're starting off this week with a little follow-up round. So um, Falcor, which we talked about last time, uh, the this, what would you call it? Like, uh, I don't even know what how you can summarize this thing. Uh, th that technology that Netflix uh, uses for their kind of management of data in the front end and back end and state and stuff like that is in a developer. Excuse me? It's like anti-rest, right? It was like not really rest, but some sort of like web interaction of yeah, stuff. But still yeah, somehow cool. still rest because you have like <laughs> one resource. So there is some cacheability yeah. stuff going on there. Actually, I listened to the rest of the Angular Air podcast where Jafar Hussein was on and he was going on about more details. And that was actually interesting, but it's so much. It's just hard to, to kind of summarize it really well like how he does it but um yeah you have this one address and then parameters and there's you can cache a lot of stuff and it just gives you everything you want at once and that's mm -hmm. it and it, it looks really interesting though you can like reach into this this object and just ask for stuff and yeah. if it's not there it'll go and fetch it and dedupe requests and stuff like that it's, it's pretty interesting if you read the just this sort short summary on the website it gives you a sort of an idea with an example of what it does Yeah, and he was on the podcast. He was also uh, comparing. They were asking him about, you know, how does it compare to GraphQL from Facebook? And he was actually um, <clears throat> sharing his uh, thoughts on that a little bit. And he said, of course, it's you know, GraphQL is great and super people behind it and stuff like that. But um, and it's and it is also more powerful than what Falcor can do. But also that might be not exactly that. The downside of that might be that it's too complicated for what you actually need. Mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting. They're doing really similar things, actually. <clears throat> yeah, I wonder what the use case is for, like, the, I don't know, in air quotes, the normal person. <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, don't know if it, I think Falcor might be, there might be a good use case for. Um, he basically said for any, for any application, really, that, that can have some stale state in the some stale, you know, cached stuff in the front end for a little bit. Like if you don't have to have constantly like real time information coming all the time, like, like for instance, uh, you know, a stocks app or something like that, stockbroker mm -hmm. stuff. Um, like if it's, it's, if it's something like Netflix where you just pull some data and it, if the, if the cache is stale for a little bit, it's not a big deal. Then yeah, you can, It, it can make sense for, like he said, basically for, for most applications that he ever built, Falco could be a good option for it. But yeah, you have to implement it on both sides, basically. Well, you have the JS thing implemented by them, but then you have to implement it on the server. Mm. Yeah. yeah, they ship it with a little express um, library, I think. Um, ah, okay. Mm -hmm. So you can set it up at least as a, as a, as a demo. Uh, you can run that. So, yeah, it's all the developer preview here. Uh, yeah, from here. Uh, yeah, right now still. So, but if anything, I mean, it's interesting just to read and get ideas from it. That's it's super totally. interesting. Yeah, yeah, I love I love seeing completely different approaches to building a web application. I think it's just so neat that we're in this like there's no necessarily prescriptive way like this is how you build a website unless you're using certain technologies like like rails is pretty straightforward about like this is how you build a rails app but everything else especially in javascript land it's it's the wild west it's just like who knows i have no <laughs> idea let's try this thing okay let's try that thing okay and everybody talks in funny voices because that's just how we do things <laughs> correct <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah okay but anyway yeah no it's cool it's cool it's part of this whole kind of uh questioning the status quo and and rethinking you know stuff that has been kind of gospel for a long time like what facebook facebook started with react and putting styles in line and everything like yeah yeah i like it it's great yep Cool. Yeah, so another follow-up was, uh, you have, Henning, you have a meetup follow-up. 
Right. We talked about meetups and uh, how um, some of them are trying to set themselves apart. I thought that was really interesting, especially all the food names, um, Waffle JS, etc. And then I just after that discovered three meetups that are actually online. Um, so I don't know if you can technically call them meetups, but uh, they are geared towards people that are sort of out in the sticks, I guess, and don't have anything uh, close to them. So uh, it's Nomad.js, Nomad PHP, and then Global Ember. And I think actually Nomad.js, the two Nomads, um, they are mostly free, but some of them actually have a sort of a registration fee. And um, they then also give you the link to the video. But Global Ember is completely new. It's being put out by Ember Sherpa. And um, there's basically going to be talks I believe every two weeks or maybe maybe once a month. I have to, to look at that again. But um, he's pretty well connected in the community, so you can probably expect very high-quality talks from them. The thing that's missing, of course, is um, the, well, for me at least, is one of the most important things is that you can go and talk to people. But um, if you don't have anything else, this is this is pretty good. Yeah, I like, I like meetups in the sense that they are kind of like super like bite-sized conferences yeah really 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 tiny um so but to me definitely the meetup the whole point of the meetup was not only to learn something new but really more than anything else to interact with people in your community and i think uh i'd be curious to see how how these global meetups uh do things like maybe they have a chat room or something like that maybe they have a slack channel or something um but i can't imagine that you take away the like the the socialization aspect of it. So I'm curious how they how they get around that and how they do it. Yeah, you absolutely don't. So. I attended actually one yesterday. Uh, with oh, okay. Nomad JS, and um, it was a great talk on happy. Um, and uh, you know, you could then ask questions in there. It was a go to meeting thing, but that's about it. So it's practically zero interaction. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, at least on that one. So we'll see yeah. how the others are. Sounds like there's space for disruption. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it looks well, like they, they need a Slack to... channel or something like that. Yeah, yeah maybe that would be a good idea. <laughs> maybe there was one. I just missed it. I don't know, but uh... oh, who knows? Who knows? Oh. So. So uh, earlier this week, I had the amazing opportunity to uh, be on another podcast. Um, I was their guest, uh, and it's a really cool podcast called Turing Incomplete. And it's it's similar to our podcast in the sense that they talk about code and they talk about tech, and um, and they have four people on their on their podcast, and then uh, like they'll bring on guests every once in a while. Um, and it's it's a whole lot less scripted than ours, which is kind of funny because we're not very scripted at all. But I mean, you know, but it, it, it basically it starts out like I showed up and they were like, and then we're like just talking, whatever. And then I was like, okay, so how do we start? And they're like, oh no, we already started. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And I was like, oh, okay. But they're a really, really great uh, bunch of people. And so huge shout out to the Turing Incomplete podcast. Uh, if you if you like ours, you'll probably like theirs. It's going to be it's they're they're super smart and and talk about a lot of cool things. We had a really awesome conversation about robots and smart homes and uh, and 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 things like that. So it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I think it comes out soon. Maybe at the same time that this episode will come out, the other one will be out. Um, and, and so give it a listen if you can. Yeah. I listened to two of their episodes and they are really good. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very relaxed, really cool. They had some, some great ideas they discussed there about consuming podcasts and, and YouTube videos faster. I loved that episode. (laughs) (laughs) What's speeding it up basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I guess, um, if you want to listen to conference talks, they're on YouTube and you can't do that on your phone while, um, you have to have your phone open or on, I guess, because otherwise YouTube will shut down. So they were talking about extracting the audio and playing it at higher speeds. And wow. Stuff, so. <laughs> nice. Nice. Cool. Yeah, I like those guys. 
Yeah, well, I think I think I, I can officially declare you a pod celebrity now, <laughs> because you were you were a guest on Descriptive. You are you know part of this podcast. Then you were another guest, you know, at at this uh, touring incomplete podcast. I think this is a level. I mean. To get there, to even get there, how do you even do that? You know, like I think it's safe to say that you are a pod celebrity by now. So, so okay. So, first of all, clarification. I, I believe you mean by pod celebrity, you mean a podcast celebrity. Is, yes. is that is that right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so point point clarified. Uh, I have been so so. How many podcasts do you need to be on to be considered uh, a a pod celebrity? Well, I think the official number is like three. Oh, okay, okay. So then, so I, I, I'm not bragging. I promise, I'm not bragging. I think I've been on something like 15 podcasts at this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, maybe, maybe you already have like platinum status or something. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you're even regular pod celebrity anymore. I just, I just, I just really like being on podcasts. There's just something about it. It's super <laughs> chill. I can be in my pajamas. And and you know talk about tech and it's just I really like it. Um, well, that's that's so, a great character uh, trait because it really f for you because uh, because for your you know uh, for your for your job choice of being a pod celebrity that's that's yeah. it's a great fit. <laughs> you know, if only I were paid to be a pod celebrity though. So that that's really the big question. Well, people don't pay you to come on. That's no. bullshit. Where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's in the it's in the mail. It's in the che works. Oh, I'm sure. Checks yeah, in the yeah. mail. You send off like a a little German squirrel. It's it's probably carrying the check right now, swimming across the Atlantic. Absolutely, uh, yeah. That's what's going on. Okay, okay. No, that's cool. good. Yeah, that's good. yeah. So there's going to be a sack of money, uh, you know, in front of your doors <laughs> soon. Uh, hopefully, the dogs won't, won't get first. Um, anyway. <laughs> Okay, great. But, so, you and, and on top of that, you're not only a pod celebrity. I don't even know why they don't why they didn't mention that on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so some background to our dear readers. Um, someone I don't know them at all. I, I, I don't even know their name other than their Wikipedia username. Um, but somebody has gone through and listened to every single one of my podcasts and listened and like read every single one of my blog posts and I don't know, just read all these articles about me and they've created a Wikipedia page for me, which on one level is like, oh my God, that's super creepy. But on the other hand, it's really like flattering and, um, and, and there's just something really kind of cool about it. Like I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm on the internet, like for real this time, because <laughs> it's Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. Um, And and this person obviously spent hours and hours and hours and hours on this. Um, and I am so sad to say that somebody has decided to flag it. Apparently, I'm not notable enough. Uh, <laughs> What? And, and, This is so funny and they want to me. delete it. They want to delete my Wikipedia page that someone else spent so much time on. Um, and I, I, I like I just don't understand. That? That's ridiculous. I don't know. And that's the part that just drives me like kind of batty. It's like, who decides what's important enough for Wikipedia? And who, like, what's the process by which Wikipedia, like, like the editors, the, you know, the editors, capital T, capital E, uh, decide, like, who, who are they to decide who's important and who's not important? And I'm not saying this for me in terms of like, oh my God, my whole dream in life was to have a Wikipedia page, but more like there are other people who, you know, why, you know, Khalil, if you had a Wikipedia page or Henning, if you had a Wikipedia page, I mean, you probably wouldn't want it taken down or would you, I, I don't would. know. Like, you, you, <laughs> Depends you what it says. <laughs> no, no, but um, the thing is that um, I don't understand, or, or I guess what, what I could understand is if there wasn't any verification of the data or, the information, but that seems like a strange um, thing that there's, you know, you're not noteworthy enough or something. I mean, that that's just a, like, how do you measure that? That's, that's just weird. I have no idea. So I want to give the shout out to the person who wrote this, uh, Mia, M-E-E-A. Uh, if you're listening 
thank you. You're awesome. Um, but if they close it, please don't take it personally. Uh, I plan to, to take the entire text and put it on my blog so that it'll live somewhere forever. <laughs> <laughs> just because somebody puts so much time and effort into it. I, I just, I can't, I can't ignore it. Um, there are How 45. Um, somebody, somebody on Twitter was like, oh my God, today I learned that Raquel Velez has a, has a Wikipedia page. And I was like, what? <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, there are 45 references on this thing. This person has seriously gone out of their way to like find information about me. And, and, and that's cool. Um, cause I, I try to be pretty open online and, and, you know, share my story and all that stuff. Um, but the, the they want to delete it. And okay. So, <clears throat> so I, I have, I have, uh, something here because I remember, okay. I remember that, so I, I was a, I was a big or I'm a big fan of the podcast called Hypercritical. Are you aware of that podcast? Okay. Are no, not aware. No. Uh, it's also no. it's also over. It, it there's no new episodes anymore. It went to episode hundred, and then then uh, the the main host uh, John Syracuse, who uh, is like he's well known in like the Apple kind of community, and he has been he's he's. Uh, do you know him, John Syracuse? Or do you know the name or anything? No. Okay. Um, I do. No. You do? <clears throat> oh, yeah. You know him from ATP, right? And Hypercritical is an amazing, amazing podcast. And it's also a very topical name. I'm going to bring this all around at some point. I'm just going to give you a little backstory. Uh, it's an amazing podcast because John Syracuse is like the most, like he loves Apple and, and, and he knows a lot about, um, OS X and stuff. And he wrote for, I think, I don't know how many years in a row he wrote the, the official or one of the big official kind of reviews of OS X and stuff like that for, uh, the site. What was it called? Uh, don't remember. Anyway. Um, and he is like super picky and like he's the, he's like this guy who like he goes into detail, like nobody else goes into detail. And this whole, and this whole podcast was all about him criticizing, criticizing things, you know, over, Every, and, and he was always like super prepared and had all this all these notes and he was just talking for hours uh, sometimes hours about one specific thing and was just talking about the ins and outs of it and what he likes about it what he doesn't like about it, it was just in, it's incredible yeah like he's really uh, amazing and this whole podcast like it, it, i totally recommend going back and listening to all the hundred episodes <laughs> it's very, it's very, it's really cool and there was one episode about wikipedia and I actually found the episode and it's called Marked for Deletion. And he goes into great detail about and explains, um, uh, how Wikipedia works. And, um, uh, because for many people, just right. like for us, it's, you know, inexplicable. Why would they mark this for deletion? And, you know, why is it not notable? Blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and he explains, he also doesn't like that. You know, I think he's criticizing that, but he's also going into, he explains why it has to be this way, or why, you know, historically it has become this way or it always was this way or whatever. And he goes into the, like whole background information. And as far as I understand it, for Wikipedia, there always has to be some, some sort of, uh, a source in a notable kind of book or newspaper or something like that becomes it, it comes from this kind of time where newspaper and books and dictionaries and all this kind of stuff they are the truth right and it's not tr the information that people put on wikipedia is not trusted uh by default and i think there are rules like that that you have to have like there would have to be a mention about about you, Raquel, in a newspaper somewhere, you know, working for NPM and doing all this stuff and being on podcasts, <clears throat> in order for it to be notable, so to speak, in order so that it it would be worthy to be in Wikipedia. In, the, right. in a nutshell, right. well, you know. Yeah, but that's the that's the most hilarious part is that there are articles from like you know newspapers. And, and, and all sorts of different sources about me. And so, but okay, it doesn't okay. matter if, 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 if the person who decides that they just don't believe that I'm notable is the end arbiter of all things, then there's very little control I have over that situation. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. the best I can do 
is take all this text that that uh, that this wonderful person put together about me and just put it on my blog. <laughs> then that's what I'll do, you know. That like if, if that's the best that can happen, it's the best that I, that can happen, and and that's that's fine. Just have to make sure I remember to copy and paste it before it gets deleted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Man, yeah, I guess sucks. that makes sense to have some sort of journalistic, um, I don't know, checks and balances there. So, yeah, I mean, but then again, like Wikipedia is the sort of place where, like, I just, I don't know, I don't know. Can you, can you really trust the information that's in Wikipedia? I don't know. No, because I think, I mean. Uh, then again, I mean, can you really trust history books? Not really. Uh, no, so no, but also, it, but also, the thing is, like, you can't trust this because if because uh, sometimes they print stuff that's wrong in newspapers and stuff like that, and and then yeah. it's um, it's allowed on Wikipedia, and then Wikipedia just propagates wrong information, <clears throat> and that's a big problem problem on Wikipedia, as far as I know. That there's just mm-hmm. factually wrong things on there, and and because they are in some like in like New York Times or something like that, you know, they printed it. That's why it's taken as fact, and then it's you, you can delete it, but people will always come and put it back. You know. Yeah. Like it, it, yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's uh, it's w- really weird. It's it's really weird. Yeah. Yeah, but a really cool page. And also, hey, um, I didn't actually realize that that uh, descriptive and reactive were listed on there as well. Very cool. Yeah, no, it totally is. I tell you, they <laughs> they they listen to everything, everything, <laughs> wherever uh, they are. They're not phased. They you. just keep, keep they just keep updating the side. They're like, oh, <laughs> we don't care about that discussion that's going on there somewhere. It's. It's fine. But I mean, if somebody, if, if any of you want to, you know, fight for my Wikipedia page, go for it. And if you don't, and you just want to see it die. That's fine, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the Internet. It's not a big deal. Uh, but anyway, speaking of the Internet, we talk about it. Uh, <laughs> let's build a better Internet. Uh, Khalil, you were talking about or you wanted to talk about uh, some some fun modules that you've been using to to, yeah. to build awesome stuff. Yeah, so I, I was just uh, um, putting together. I just wanted to to try out some stuff and and write it a little app or something. And um, I went ahead and because I want to use, I want to kind of use the stack that I'm using at work, which is uh, using um, ES6 or 2015 or whatever. Uh, ES6 uh, through. So we're using Browserify, but we're running ES6 modules through Babelify, through a Browserify transform, and um, and then we wa- then we also have source maps, so that if you have if you have a bug or you put a debugger statement in or something like that, you find in the browser it gets kind of like the original file gets shown in the dev tools instead of the the built file. And so, um, but I wanted to have a kind of, uh, just a simpler setup, just use NPM as a task runner and not Gulp because we're using Gulp at work. I just wanted to have kind of the, yeah, the basic for the JavaScript kind of use the same tools that we're also using in Gulp at work. So I started putting that stuff together and I realized that for me, I had to kind of research for a little bit how to, how to use the source maps properly because because browserify has source maps and then uh babelify also has source maps and then you can use exorcist which is also an npm module to kind of to extract the source maps out of the javascript file that gets uh that gets ah. bu- built right because browserify uh when you say when you give it debug when you say debug true, then Browserify will put source maps into the JavaScript file, and then you can. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, and then you can you can stream that into Exorcist, and Exorcist will extract it into its own uh, map kind of file. And then it was just kind of I t- it took a while for me to figure out. Okay, how do I like you have to? Uh, how does this work with the paths? Because Browserify only uses. Um, what was it? Absolute paths or relative? I don't know. Uh, I'm not. It's not interesting. But it's just. It was annoying to me because the path. Because 
in the browser in the dev tools it linked to the correct file and showed me the file but the, the path that it was kind of showing that my file was supposed to be in was not the right path right it instead of gotcha. the folder js it showed me like js and then underneath a js folder which had a weird name that was like assets slash js or something like really strange so it took me a while to figure all that out and to configure it properly and <clears throat> to figure out how do um, how does Babelify source maps work with the Browserify source maps and how do I how do I tell Exorcist you know exactly where it lies where the map lies relative to my original files and all this kind of crap and uh, so so I I was kind of thinking of so I'm for, for myself now I'm putting together a little like pre-configured like a wrapper around those tools so that I can just use a node module and just tell the node modules where my JavaScript lies and where I want it, where I want the, the bundled files to be. And then it does everything for me. And then you can just write ES6 code and use uh, ES6 modules. And then all that will be bundled into one file for you. And uh, nice. I think that could be a nice little, neat little tool also for other people to use. Yeah, yeah, so that allows you to like <clears throat> modularize your code with the ES ES six, but yeah. then put it all out onto client side code, right? Ex so exactly. It's not just, yeah, yeah. That's and you don't cool. have to you don't have to think about you don't have to figure out how to configure Browserify, Babelify, and Exorcist, and Uglyfyify. And so all that stuff is already basically is like wrapped configuration, you know. And you can and and I use Minimist to. Um, <laughs> Minimist is a little names yeah. ever. <laughs> Minimist is a little module that allows you to do the. To, you can parse the 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 how do you call it parameters uh, or flags that you pass on the command line, right? So I can just say I could I can could use that package. I could make a CLI. Um, command for it and then say dash dash output file and then just pass the output how it's supposed to you know what the the name of the output file is supposed to be and stuff like just it, it it requires just minimal configuration on the command line and then you're you know you don't have to think about all that and i think that's 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 pretty cool because because right now you always have to just you have to do a lot of configuration stick tools together so that you can just write es6 code right now quickly for the browser and this little module would just do that i think it it could definitely cover like 80% uh, of the use cases that people might have cool maybe do it. maybe yeah <clears throat> And then, of course, like you can also pass a production flag, and then it will uglyfyify it for you. And there also, like uglyfyify, also supports source maps that you can then pull out with with um, Exorcist. But but you have to turn off the Babelify source maps for that to work, and all this stuff. It's <laughs> it's it's really it's really weird. But it's just little. You know, just little details that are, it's just a lot of boilerplate and it's just good to get rid of it and just to have a little tool that allows you just to write ES6. Boom. Nice. <laughs> Excuse my ignorance, but what is uglify -fi? I thought I knew uglify, but. Uh, okay, so there's a, this is just, um, <laughs> so browserify allows you to use transforms. So what browserify does, it takes an entry file, right? So, 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 say you have a main JS in your in your JS folder, right? And then you have subfolders with like JavaScript modules, and you import them into your main entry file, the the main JS file. And that's how kind of your app gets built together. So you have a main JS, and it has lots of dependencies on other modules. So what Browserify does. Uh, it it kind of so normally what what browserify was made for is that you would use common js modules so the modules the module type that you would use on uh, in node.js and then it would just build that <clears throat> figure out all the dependencies between the different modules and put together you know dedupe all of that and put together one neat file that you can use in the browser right so yep. far so mm -hmm. so good yep that i knew yep yeah <clears throat> 
And uh, so it, Browserify allows you to write transforms for, for Browserify. And there is like this naming convention for the transforms where you can, a lot of plugin developers or the community, they just wrote little wrappers around plugins, for instance, around Uglify, so that you can use it as a transform in Browserify. And the naming convention is just to put a ify on the, you know, <laughs> on the on the end of the name of the plugin that you're that you're wrapping as a transform so so right so so then so then uglify ify is the is the browserified version of uglify yeah exactly yeah okay okay and because <laughs> because browserify works with streams right so so you give it so you feed browserify this uh this entry file and it creates a stream of all this information and then you can put things in transforms in there and they can modify the stream and in order to work with browserify it has to be wrapped somehow yeah and for instance babel they created their own babelify um transform plugin for browserify it's underneath the babel js rep repository and stuff that's cool but then so then exorcist is really it's it's breaking all the rules all of them <laughs> It's it because it's not exorcistify. No, it's just exorcist. And also, exorcist is not a transform. Exorcist is something ah. that you take the, what comes out of Browserify and pipe it into exorcist, and then exorcist will kind of split <laughs> the maps out. And yeah. Oh, technology and naming mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, oh. It's not that difficult, but it's it's just yeah. This is so. But see, I feel like I feel like if somebody if like somebody from a totally different industry were to like listen in on this conversation, they'd just be like, "The what with the what and the why? What? Uh, huh? <laughs> what are you talking about?" Uh, and, and so yeah, it's true. It's true. It I mean, and I think it is actually Browserify when you when you work with it on the command line. If you have a very simple setup and you just have common JS modules and you, you work with it, uh, you know, on the command line or you use NPM as a task runner, you can just say browserify, put the entry, the path to entryify and then dash O for output and then, um, the path where you want the, the, the bundled file, uh, to be. Right, or you, you also yeah. name it bundle JS or something. It's very simple, but as soon as you want to do a little bit more stuff, it gets a little ugly. I must say, I don't find it very like super duper easy uh, to to deal with it. It's it's a little bit unintuitive. I must say, yeah. <laughs> but, good. Um, so cool. But it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's <laughs> the thing. But it's still it's awesome though. Once it when yeah. it works, it's just awesome because then you just you write ES6 code and it's super fun, you know. And it, it allows yeah. you to do that. It's really cool. That's awesome. Wee! Yay! Yeah. So <laughs> Speaking of code and where to host it, I think uh, yeah. The next topic is about a code host shutting down. Yeah, your your beloved Vim, Henning. Well, although, well, actually, Vim your ex-beloved, right? You, you, you left Vim. I still haven't completely let go. <laughs> <laughs> now, he uses Vim mode. Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah, actually, today I caught myself cutting some text, or actually copying some text out of one editor and going back into Vim because it had macros and I could do stuff faster. <laughs> Wow, that's, uh, that sounds like yeah. a great workflow, Henry. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know how to how to how to find uh, a former Vim user, right? You just you 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 find colon wq everywhere, all yep. over the code base, just read everywhere. Your email. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ah. Um, call that the Vim yeah, so... curse. Yeah, because it's like you expect that stuff to work everywhere, and yeah. just deleting characters constantly. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so Vim is moving from Google Code and and going to Git. It's going to GitHub, right? Yep. That's what it's. So that's pretty huge. Yeah, I guess it's a it's a, sort of a forced thing because Google is putting pulling the plug on on Google Code. I think they just 
I can't remember the exact details, but um, you can't start any new repositories or commit anything anymore after a certain point. Oh. And they're just going to make it go away eventually. <sighs> I really want them just to do that with Google+. Plus. Just get rid of it. <laughs> it's over. Nobody Move it to it. GitHub. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Maybe we can make it better. Yeah. Uh, Host it on GitHub yeah. pages. Yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, this isn't, Vim is not the first major project to leave Google code uh, for GitHub, but I think it's, it's, it's one of those projects that is so central to the dev, the dev community, like beyond the web dev community, right? Yeah. Vim is, is just, if you write code, you have heard of Vim. And um, that's, that's pretty huge, I think, just seeing how 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 the evolution of technology um i just from a purely a, a purely uh, sociological uh viewpoint it's fascinating yeah and it used to be uh, it used to use mercurial as a versioning system okay so i wonder uh, can you use that with github cuz i know that you can use subversion with github I think you have to, I think there's like a, a there's some sort of, I'm sure there's a module of some sort. Uh, Mercurial? Mercurial? <laughs> Is that the Atlassian product? Uh, uh, I don't no. think so. I know that Atlassian's product Bitbucket handles Mercurial. So uh, mm-hmm. Atlassian's uh, competitor to GitHub is is called Bitbuck, uh, Bitbucket. And, Bitbucket. Uh, yeah, yeah Bitbuck. <laughs> that's how you make your money. Right? So, so, As a pod uh, liberty. Yeah. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, uh, Mercurial is, I think it's, uh, it's also, it's just uh, open source and it's also, de- it's also decentralized um, versioning. Right. Right. So it's, it's different. <clears throat> it's different from Git. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what their what their plan is. I've I've never looked at Vim's source. I think I'd just be ter- I'm just terrified by the notion of Vim's source. I I can only imagine how how yeah, I mean, how isn't things that like 30, might be done. Thirty some years old. I mean, it's talk about forever. Legacy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I heard it's it's, it's pretty nasty. The source code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I heard, because it's so old. Yeah, it's it's really hard to uh, to improve it, you know, or to to do like a better kind of architecture or something like that, because it's so yeah. big and so old. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what what refactoring the the Vim code base would be like. Like, just <laughs> I don't know. I would just try to start from scratch, which I guess is what you know so many other editors have done. Mm-hmm. Um. But but speaking of 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 old code, let's throw out the old and bring in the new. Um, <laughs> so so static site hosters that to me is like the fanciest of the fancy. Just so easy. Like I I, I love things that make make being online easier than ever. I I, I just. I'm the type of person who really does not seem to care as much about the the nitty gritty details of implementation. I just want to get stuff done, mm. and so um, things like Surge and Netlify and DivShot they're just they're these great sites that let you kind of throw together some static pages and just ship them up to the web, and they'll take care of everything from caching and uh, and et cetera for you, right? And so it's like, bam! I have a website mm-hmm. really fast. And put it. They put it on a CDN as well, so that you know mm-hmm. it's fast everywhere. It's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I I love that. I mean, it's uh, it's it's so cool because also you can really you can build full fledged apps with with uh, with just static hosting nowadays as well. Because even if you have authentication or you need a database, you can just use services like Firebase. For authentication, you have Auth zero, and uh, I'm sure you know there's there's like ten others. I mean, Apple now has like this backend as a service thing, and 
um, what was it? Huh, I, I, I forgot the others. It doesn't matter. I mean, the point is there's just um, a bunch of, of, you can just, you know, host your static sites with nothing, just static sites, but you can also really build a JavaScript app that uses, that, that has, you know, a bunch of, uh, has a data store and has users and everything. And, uh, and it's just so simple and yeah, it's pretty cool. I really that's like pretty that. Sweet. And surge is that, I think that's, that one's even free, right? Well, they all have a free tier. So if you just want to, if you just want to okay. put up, uh, you know, a simple static site up somewhere, host some, some assets. Um, I think one domain, I think surge even is free for, as many domains as you want and they have you know they're still building out features that they want to um charge for but then there's for instance netlify they have um they already have a pricing plan and everything where if you want to host multiple urls or something like that then you pay more you pay like a monthly fee but for if you just want to put up one site you can just do it for free and it's all gonna and it has all the benefits of you know that they're putting it on a CDN and it's fast and it's hosted right away. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. And what I just, uh, I only tried out uh, search so far and search is, uh, is really cool because you basically, they don't really have a, a login or anything like that. You just use the command line to, to publish up and then everything kind of uh, is, is managed via the command line and it's just super fast and uh, you can do all kinds of stuff. For instance, they optimize for, for JavaScript apps is in, in a way where, for instance, if you, if you do routing on the client side and there is a route, and for instance, you, you, like your site is in a state where there's a certain route in the URL, but that route doesn't exist on the server side, and you refresh the site, it will try to retrieve that route from the server. It, what Surge does, it just serves you a 200.html. And you can, you can uh, if you have that in your... Um, if you have a 200.html, um, you know, if you, you can just put into that HTML file whatever you want. You can just put in the JavaScript. So you can also deal with that route, even though it went to the server for first, you know. And uh, just little optimizations like that, little details where they really think about, you know, modern, what you can do with modern static uh, hosting. So all of these have significantly more features than just something like GitHub Pages or something like that, right? Yeah, it's just optimized it like. for yeah. for static hosting. Cool. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just pretty neat how uh, you can really change up how all this like it's 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 just neat how we've kind of evolved over time to like. Do you remember GeoCities? <laughs> Oh God! Once upon a time, <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like I feel like this is the new GeoCities. Like you just kind of throw something together and just push it on up and and see how it all you know flows. And um, uh, I think I think the I feel like Heroku was one of the first to do the command line based deployment mm-hmm. of just send your your app up into the cloud. Yeah. Um, and this this just seems like the easier version where yeah. you don't have to have a full-on app you just have some pages but i just think about you know some some random high school kid being like oh i want to put up together you know my fan site for some band or something and and just kind of throwing something together and and deploying it i think that's i think that's super fun because um, i know we all miss geocities we do. And Angel Fire too, yes. And Angel Fire and you know, Live Journal and uh and who for, who can forget MySpace? <laughs> oh yeah, MySpace. That's still- yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's a really good point because that uh that brings down the the barrier to entry quite a bit, I think. Again. Yeah, definitely. You no, know, you don't have to yeah. I mean I guess that you know, when when the WordPress first came out and you had to figure out how to do all that stuff yourself. Now they have, of course, hosted sites, but uh, this is still significantly significantly simpler, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. I think it's pretty awesome. Well, definitely for developers, right? <clears throat> yeah. yeah. For non-developers, it's uh, there's no CMS, so they don't know how to make the HTML and put it put it there. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that I guess that's true. And then the static site generators are still pretty. They're not exactly user friendly. Most of them. Yeah. It. This is. All, I mean, it is also. It, it's just. I think. Um. Most likely, there's going to be. I think like a wave of CMS systems that will just generate static HTML because. Mm -hmm because it has so many benefits because for most pages you really don't need anything dynamic most pages for companies or for person you know for personal use are just content and it changes every once in a while and then you just you know you have to just re-render or regenerate your site and upload it again and um, <clears throat> it would make sense you know because because For, for those CMSs to to kind of pop up uh, sooner, more sooner than later, because because it also gives you a lot of security benefits, right? Because because uh, WordPress is like a security nightmare. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, and and, yeah. A, and a maintenance yeah. nightmare, and yep. it's mostly it's just an overkill. And all that people really want is just a nice interface to kind of feed their website with content. And uh, and that should be really separate from the site itself. And then I think you know, and maybe that's where where this is going to get us at some time, at some point. I think the problem today still though is that um, like companies, a lot of companies, uh, for whom a static website would be perfect, often need a lot of convincing. They don't understand that this, you know, could be the right thing for them. And it takes a lot of convincing because they are so programmed to use those big, you know, enterprise CMS systems that they spent their whole budget on, you know, like tens of thousands of dollars or euros for those things. It's amazing how much money they spent. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times when I was working at this, uh, 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 service, you know, where we, when I was in client services at my old company, how many times I was sitting there and thinking like this, this website that we're building now, which is a pain in the ass because of the CMS that is old or because it's not the right one for their purpose or whatever, they would be so much better off if they would just have a static website, you know, like quickly yeah. generated with Jekyll. Jekyll or something like that with a little bit JavaScript niceness on top or whatever they would be it would be cheaper it would be easier it would be more secure <laughs> this is incredible you know yeah to totally. think about that totally I think I think that people should learn how to write HTML like really basic just edit HTML mm. uh, like in school or something yeah. just because it's it's so it's such a big thing and and you're right like especially if you Let's say you just have like a laundromat or something, you know, like if that's your business, you don't need flash, you don't need a carousel, you don't need anything fancy, you just need a really basic website that says this is these are my, these are our hours, this is our location, this is how much things cost. And uh and and that's it. And and I think I think these static site generator applications uh, uh, would be perfect for somebody who's like a freelancer who's just working with a lot of different small companies mm -hmm. and just you know generating one after another like if you're into design like it, this gives you all of the control that a cms doesn't um but then also is i mean there's no security issues because there's nothing to be secure about like you don't have you're not taking any payment you're not like it, you don't need to have all the bells and whistles for something that's just inform information or if it's just a blog or you know things like that yeah so yeah i think that's coming i i read a blurb the other day about uh this company using hugo basically to generate a bunch of um static sites from the content that they manage so that is catching on i think because cool. it makes perfect sense yeah 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 definitely 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 All right, cool. Uh, yeah, so you were mentioning Hugo. Uh, what is Hugo? Hugo is a static site generator um, by Steve Francia. And uh, we had him on the show, well, last two weeks ago, which just came out last week or this week. And uh, yeah, we talked about uh, Hugo, among uh, other things. Um, 
Well, we talked about a whole lot of things. Yeah. Um, but who was one of them? Uh, yeah. Undescriptive, yes. Yeah. yeah. The other podcast. The other, the other podcast. podcast. I get to meet him. Harumph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, no, it was... Um, it was really cool. Like he, he was very generous with his time and he had uh, also a very like long career already and, uh, and started really young and, and went through a lot of stuff and yeah. Was yeah really... I think we could have, we talked for two hours and we could have yeah. gone for another two. He has so much, <laughs> so much to, so many stories to tell. It's amazing. Yeah, it was cool. Nice. Yeah, it was really yeah. cool. Yeah, and we have uh, so we also have a very interesting guest coming up in uh, October. Yep, which is Jafar Hussein, who we've mentioned hey. here a couple of times already. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be fun. He he's another one who can talk a oh, yeah. lot about all the things that he knows. I met him at a at a conference, and he was like. Well, I have a uh, hundred and fifty slides for this thirty-minute presentation. Do you think I can get through all of them? <laughs> and I was like, "If anybody can, it's you." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like he, he always talks double, uh, double as fast as anybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And the more he gets, the more he gets into a specific subject, and the more complicated it gets, the higher his voice gets, which is also, <laughs> which is also cool. <laughs> it's gonna be a really fun episode. I look yeah. forward to listening to it. I'm curious, curious about that for sure. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Cool. So I think I think that's pretty much everything. Um, and uh, let's just totally like shout out to our our friends at in the in the Slack channel. If you haven't joined yet, why haven't you joined yet? Come and hang out with us. Uh, exactly. I think we have we have one new one since last time. I think Louis is is yep. new. Yeah. 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 That's right. So he joined both here. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, just shout out to Louis. Shout Hello. out to Louis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome. So we'll just keep shouting out the uh the new ones um every week. Unless yeah. we're getting like a thousand a week or something. <laughs> that's if we be... get a thousand names, I will I will shout out to every single one of them. Wow. <laughs> okay, cool. There you go. We'll just make I'm one episode it. where just that happens. Yeah. And I'll just well really what I'm gonna do is I will I will pre record it and then I'll like, you know, speed up the thing so it sounds like I'm a chipmunk. You know that whole <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. It's gonna be like yeah. a ten hour recording but like a ten minute podcast. Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it'll be fine. Perfect. Yeah, but do come and join us. Um, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, this was really cool. Lewis uh, popped in the other day, saying he's on a train ride from I think Berlin to Dortmund or something like that, or wherever his destination was, and he was listening to our podcast and liked it. So that's that's just really neat. Yeah. I like that for sure. <laughs> and I I realized that I actually knew him from JSConf. From oh, that's year. right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so that was cool. That, that definitely come hang out with us and and chat about things and you know ask us questions, give us ideas of what to talk about each week. If you find something interesting, you want to be like, oh, I wonder what their opinion is on this. Share it with us, and we might put it in. That could be fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And All right, awesome. other than that, uh, how's how's things at NPM? Things are good. We are we are growing really fast. Um, if you're looking to work with us, you know, check out our jobs page. But other than that, things are great. We're we're moving right along on our uh, on our next big feature, and so that should hopefully be coming out soon. It's something people have been asking about a lot. The orgs, um, yeah, orgs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people are like, "Where's orgs? Private <laughs> modules is cool, but." I need orgs. <laughs> and, and so, fine, fine. We'll give you orgs. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Leave us alone already. Uh, but so that's that's coming. Uh, we don't have a, a date for you yet. Um, and I, even if I had one, I probably wouldn't be allowed to give it to you. Um, but I, I promise it is coming. I'm literally working on it. Uh, as soon as we finish with this this uh, this podcast, um, it's, it, that's what I do all day is work on orgs. Um, but that'll be really fun. 
And is that what what kind of work is that? Is that a lot of backend implementation work or um Yeah, so we're the web team is doing all sorts of things. I mean, the entire company is just focused on orgs right now. Mm-hmm. Um but uh my personal job right now is mostly backend stuff and every so often kind of dipping into the front end. Um I'm getting a list of CSS bugs that my my teammates like I don't have time to deal with these. You deal with them and I'm like, ooh, CSS. Yeah. I don't wanna. But I will because I care and I'm a good teammate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first I'm writing some tests, some back end tests for things that are that are broken. But um yeah, so it's fun. So fun. Cool. <laughs> all right. And uh how about you two? Both doing all right at in your day jobs and things? <clears throat> yeah, things are pretty light right now. Um, I got, uh, well, light in the meaning that <clears throat> I'm not working 100% because I have both kids at home and uh, oh. summer holidays. So, <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, yeah it's, uh, German, it's summer holidays in Germany, but, but, but y- you don't really, like, do you don't get enough vacation days? No, the thing American is, we used, company, up our, we used up our vacation um, during. Easter, because, uh-huh. you know, we, we usually go to the States and uh, mm-hmm. um, you can't just go there for a week or so. So we did three weeks and then ah, some it's time around Christmas. So maybe wasn't the best decision. but <laughs> <laughs> So they have six weeks, right? Or how long? Um, yeah, summer? my son's off for six weeks now. Mm-hmm. And um, the little one is still in kindergarten. She's off for two weeks. And okay. we are halfway through the second week. So, yeah. <laughs> you okay? It's been difficult, oh, but hey, we, we're having fun. He learned how to ride a bike today, and oh, cool! So that's oh, yay! Cool. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. exciting. Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. How about you, cool. you? Well, we heard what you're doing, but uh, anything else? Well, that was not at work. Where it was in the train. Uh, at work uh-huh. is, uh, um, yeah, it's cool. Like, there's lots of. Uh, oof! It's like. So we're building this whole like uh, basic setup for us and for other developers in the company to use Angular and ES6 and Browserify and all this stuff and tests and Gulp and this and that uh, in order to write applications. And, and we're still not at the point where we're actually really writing the application. We're still like – there's so much to kind of – because we always have to keep – other teams in mind and and it all has to be done properly and stuff like that so it's it's definitely uh, it's a lot and we also have to have ci in place you know continuous integration and now that's make doing you know there's problems with that because we got an update the jenkins update or something like that and it just destroyed everything like <laughs> it's just it's really crazy like there's so many little details that you have to take care of but i'm really looking forward to starting to actually write the application that we're going to write um but we're st- still a little off but we're already like we can do like we have i have like things like thinking about um uh, the architecture of the application and stuff like that and put that together uh, in a document and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of this kind of conceptual still going on, conceptual work. And also I had to do a refactoring of the gulp tasks uh, to extract them. So I had to extract a bunch of them so that they can be used in our like core of, of what we're doing, like the core, the, the, the platform. And then also by application developers, they can also use it. So it has to be its own node module. And stuff, and that was a quite quite a big refactoring. So there's lots of weird bugs that I'm getting now and stuff like that. But it's fun. Cool. It's a cool. It's a cool. Yeah. yeah. Whee. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Then it is. Yep. The end. Bye bye. <laughs> Well, we will see everyone or we will chat with everyone again next week. Um, if you want to reach out, please do come into our Slack channel. Uh, if you want to talk on Twitter, my handle is rockbot, R-O-C-K-B-O-T. Love to hear from you. Mine is Distilled Hype. And uh, you can also reach this podcast at Reactive Pod on Twitter. Right. And a few people have been asking where to get the 
get to the invite page for the Slack channel. That is also can be found there at the um, at the website. Uh, same thing for descriptive. And uh, my name is Henning Glattergutz, and I'm H Glattergutz on Twitter. And I'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.